Out From Work podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. Today, you're listening to episode 58 of the podcast. This is your host, Dave Swillam. Really happy to have you here. As you've noticed, this is now out on a Tuesday, so I'm actually going to be switching to putting out these in podcast form on Tuesdays at 7 a.m. because I have been moving around and working on things in other states in other places and and all over and uh basically long story short have been failing pretty hard at life on Sundays so I just haven't been able to get these out consistently like I I have in the past on Monday mornings for you and uh hey it's covid time right now anyway so life's pretty uh pretty non-linear now so Tuesdays at 7am the podcast will be out in podcast form if you want to listen to it while you're out and about. And now actually IGTV on Instagram is pretty sweet with some newer updates that it's got. So we're still going live doing these when we're recording it at 7.30 p.m. Eastern at Dave Wake Up on Instagram. If you want to come check it out, interact with us, talk and ask questions while we do it, you can head on over there 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays. now that video will go onto our Instagram account and you can actually watch that later as well. If you want to see our beautiful faces and some of the ridiculousness that happens that I usually edit out or I don't know, our, 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 our craziness, then, uh, you can head over there and at Dave wake up, you can watch those episodes as well. You can get a sneak peek on Thursdays cause they're usually backlogged a little bit. So they aren't going to be out at that time for a little bit. So if you want to get a leap on it, head on over there. If you like hanging out with me right here where you're listening right now, then keep on that too. If you want to support us in a super free way, we would love it if you left a review for us. Uh, Just let us know if you're digging this and you're getting value from this. We would love to get your feedback on there wherever you're listening. And, uh, We do have a Patreon up on the website with some options to help us out in terms of the hosting and things like that. Or you can just be awesome people and just keep listening because really appreciate you checking this out. So today we've got Lou Brutus on. So Lou Brutus is the radio host for a nationally syndicated radio show called Hard Drive with Lou Brutus. Lou and I have a lot in common in our rock and roll history where the way that he spoke in this book that we're going to talk about, he just came out with about his life is so similar to so many memories that I have had in my past. And unfortunately still have, because I, I am a rock and roll guy, which leads me to a lot of odd situations in life. And a lot of, uh, I don't know. I mean, this Lou's definitely experienced a lot more to me in these situations, uh, which we'll talk about, but it leads to an interesting life nonetheless. So wanted to get Lou on here to talk about his book, which is just a huge like list of stories that he has experienced in real life that are crazy and talk a little bit about being 
a radio personality, being nice to people and the way that he was so successful in his career is basically by just being a good person, which is really crazy. Um, but we're going to talk about it more. Can't wait to share it with you. Check it out. So welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. This is your host, Dave Swillam. Today, you're listening to episode 58 of the podcast. I am putting this at a kind of a weird time for me living that quarantine life there where there is no day. I just sleep when I'm tired and I drink black coffee at all points of day, which I saw in uh, this gentleman's book that I'm going to bring up. He drinks a lot of black coffee too. So we're at a good start right away. Uh, Today, I've got a treat for all those people out there that are really akin to that rock and roll past of mine and metal roots and things like that. I've got on Lou Brutus from the Hard Drive, uh, Hard Drive XL. It's a radio station. If you haven't heard it, it's nationally syndicated and all over the place, but there's also a podcast form of it. And this guy right here, let's see, he just came out with a book during the quarantine that we were talking about, and it's called Sonic Warrior, My Life is a Rock and Roll Reprobate. Tales of Sex, Drugs, and Vomiting at Inappropriate Moments. And I read that title, Lou, and I was like, that has like a lot of similarities b- between my life. And I was like, I don't know if that's good or not, but Lou seems cool. So I think that means that I can validate my life. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome, man. Thanks for having me on, first of all. Yeah, it's a, it's a rather long and involved title, but... um That seemed to match a number of the chapter titles as they were written. So uh, it sort of spilled over into a theme as the the writing of it grew over the last few years. And uh, the book is a memoir, and each chapter is a standalone story. Uh, You you can read it in any particular order you like. It it jumps around time-wise. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I've been doing the radio thing and I've been doing it for a long time uh, and at a a pretty high level uh, with access to a lot of great artists and most importantly to uh, a lot of phenomenal events over the course of the last several decades. So um, while you and I both realize most of what happens behind the scenes in rock and roll is mundane, uh, now and then through the years... (laughs) You have moments that are sort of aberrations and things go crazy, uh, and, and that's what these, um, these uh, chapters tend to come from. Some of the, I'm going to read you off some of the, uh, the sample chapter titles to give you an idea, but uh, the opening chapter is The Time I Attended My First Concert and Threw Up on Carlos Sanchez, <laughs> and that was my introduction to live rock and roll. It was Black Sabbath and Ted Nugent, Madison Square Garden, New York City, December of 76, had the flu, still went. Uh, in the excitement after Nugent set, I thought it would be a good idea and very rock and roll of me to down an entire bottle of Boone's Farm strawberry wine, right. uh, which, as it turns out, not a good idea. Um, <laughs> still rock and roll. Fulfilled the rock and roll yeah, piece, well, not well, a good rock idea. And roll, but I missed Black <laughs> Sabbath and then woke up projectile vomiting all over <laughs> everyone and everything. So that, that's sort of the introductory chapter. Everything else comes out of my career in broadcasting, uh, and there are chapters like The Time I Escaped the Wisconsin State Police and Their Fake Fellas Felony Enforcement. Uh, That is uh, about me hosting the closing night of Slipknot Subliminal Versus Tour in Madison, Wisconsin. 
And uh, Corey Taylor, who was kind enough to write the uh, foreword for the book and has been a friend for many years, uh, and one of the people who encouraged me to write the book, uh, I ended up on stage with him during Shadow's Fall set uh, because he wanted to prank them. Uh, so he was buck naked except for some duct tape around his junk and his slipknot mask, and I'm dressed as Hunter, chasing him around with a fly swatter. Uh, the Wisconsin State Troopers got involved. <laughs> And, and there you have a, a book chapter. Uh, and I'll just mention one other chapter for now. Uh, the time I went to the Arctic and got in a mosh pit with a bunch of kids in polar bear fur while Metallica sang about sodomizing a goat. I read that. And that's about traveling to the, yeah, that's about traveling to the oh Arctic God, with Metallica dude. for the Molson Ice Polar Beach Party. One of the cool things about the book is um, there is an il uh, original illustration for each chapter in it done by Alan McBain, who's been a graphic artist I've been working with for decades now. He's an awesome rock guy, uh, but uh, is a phenomenal artist, very Mad Magazine-esque. Oh, um, and since, Those are yeah, cool. Since we couldn't do uh, a photograph for every story in the book, I, ju I just didn't have a photo uh, for all of the stories, and the lack of consistency bugged me. Uh, Alan was kind enough to do an illustration for each one. This is oh nice. Metallica and my, I have the early version, so I don't have the cool stuff like that. I'm gonna have yeah, to pick yeah, up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you haven't seen. I'll them. pick the, it up. Uh, the advanced readers didn't have the illustrations in them. That's awesome. So there's Metallica up in the Arctic. That that is Courtney Love. Hole was one of the opening bands from Metallica at this event, and um, I'll show you a couple other quick uh, illustrations. The uh, uh, vomited on Carlos Sanchez Black Sabbath chapter. There's the. <laughs> Super, there, super the, mad TV. Yes, there is, there is a theme of vomiting throughout the entire thing. So if you like rock and roll and you like vomiting, this is like the greatest book ever. They're pretty hand in hand. Uh, one of the one of the last chapters in the book is the time I was backstage, and it was exactly like what people think backstage is like, but usually never is. And th this sort of gets to the heart of the fact that, and I, I know you're well aware of this, but. When you go backstage at shows, it's it's normally just men and women who are tour managers and crew people screaming into their phones because they're just trying to make the show happen smoothly, and that's not always easy. Yeah, um, it's very rare that it's like a big party. Like like it, it almost never happens. Uh, but this one time, it was uh, on Ozfest uh, 2000, uh, I think this one, uh, and uh, I, I end up in Pantera's dressing room, and it's exactly like what people think backstage is like all the time. Oh my god. Uh, there's innocent, non-drug-doing, non-drinking me uh, <laughs> about to walk in. And there was, in fact, a, a half-naked woman uh, whose uh, 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 derriere was being used as a table for what I assume was cocaine. Uh, we can only hope. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and uh, hilarity ensued once I walked in. But, uh, yeah, that, that's re really what the book is. It's, it's just all these crazy stories from throughout my career. But at the same time, I try and give uh, a, 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 an unvarnished and honest uh, idea of what it's like behind the scenes at festivals and on tour with bands and rock and roll in general and, you know, uh, radio and media, which has been my end of the, uh, the sty, uh, <laughs> the rock and roll sty all of these years. So right. uh, uh, the reaction has been great so far. And uh People are getting some happiness in the middle of the pandemic. So, you know, that that's definitely makes me feel good. Hell yeah. Yeah. I read your book, Lou, and there were like a million moments that I related so hard because I <laughs> worked four years as 
live audio. So I was that backstage guy yelling at a cell phone and I was that guy filling up the green room and just getting these just interesting pieces of life that would just happen at every point in time. And, um, I don't know, you try to explain some of those, uh, things to people and you get exactly what you just said, where like me as that live sound person, like your descriptions in here of like, you were talking about the different roles. You're like, right, right. When you kick off the book, you're like, these are the roles of people. They were on point. Like those are the person (laughs) I can think of like Joe or Bill or whoever, like when I read these things and, um, you were talking about like the local crew getting like the local shirts that you could barter out and uh like the way that they live their trade, life trade like for cocaine often yeah, traded for cocaine yeah i didn't trade for cocaine but uh i mean you get those and you 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 read these they're like dead on like i you're like yeah you you work the show and it's kind of sick because you don't make much money but like you get to see the show but honestly the local guy's probably too tired and doesn't give a fuck anyway and i was like that was me i was so pumped yeah. to be at the show and then i'd be tired or something like that and then uh I was looking at all the, uh, your, your work with, with Corey Taylor and Slipknot. And it's crazy to read when you were talking about throwing out weight and bleed, like right when they were like at the, the unmixed portion of time or like just when things were happening, because that linked me right back to my childhood when I was on a bus in seventh grade and someone gave me a CD that they burnt of Slipknot self-titled and that immediately kicked off my career and the notes from weight and bleed are tattooed on my back. So I like read your book. I was like, this is going to be such a banging podcast. Cause I, I understand not 23, 40 years of this life, but just the little piece of life that I've lived. I felt such a, a relation to all the content you were writing in this book. I was like, I might not have seen the drooling on my lap from a joint with Snoop Dogg. I might not have <laughs> been out moshing with these guys and like, polar bear fur but like i know people where conversations happen i was like i know that that's possible and i know that these situations like when you're sitting in the boardroom and they're like hey lou you want to go out to the arctic for this thing and you were like you got to be kidding me but at the same time in your gut you must have felt it where you're like you got to be kidding me because i feel as a human i have to say that because that's still ridiculous but me as like a personality in this life for this long you're like but I can see it doesn't take me that long to see that this is definitely a, a real possibility of a thing that's happening in my life because like everything else that's happened in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's amazing how many stories you can rack up and how many adventures in the course of, you know, the, the first show in this book goes back more than 44 years ago because I started to do this very young and and I was it it was just part of the the luck of the draw for me growing up where I did I was born in Newark New Jersey uh right near New York City and when I was like one and a half or so we moved uh down to what was the middle of nowhere at the time English town New Jersey a, a tiny farming town that went back to colonial times uh, and and even though we were in the middle of nowhere, it was right. still just an hour to New York and an hour to Philadelphia. So I got great media, I got great radio and TV from the moment I could, you know, figure out how to turn the volume knob up. And uh, when I started going to concerts, there were literally concerts every night of the week for me to go see. And I, I well, from fourteen on, I dove right in. Uh, at the uh, the end of the book, there's an appendix, and it's called The List. And there's also an online version of it at my 
my website, lubrutus.com. But it's a full listing. Well, actually, not even a full listing, but but a, a mostly full listing of all of the bands that I've seen in concert or I've seen live. I actually use the term music events because some of them, and I explain right at the top of the list, but um, you, you couldn't consider them concerts. Some of them are, are like artist confidentials that I've hosted for Sirius XM that were uh, essentially private in studio concerts with an audience of like, you know, 20 to a hundred people where I'll interview the artist and they'll nice. play uh, for hard drive and hard drive XL. We, we, uh, you know, we have in studio live performances. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen people in bars and clubs. Uh, I've seen them at special events. And, and so it goes from all these tiny things all the way up to huge mega concerts. But, you know, over the course of 44 years, you can see a whole lot of shows. And, you know, when I hit the road with bands that I'm lucky enough to do sometimes, you know, you yeah. see five, six, seven shows in a week. Uh, so uh, it certainly explains oh, why man, I, I, I have severe hearing damage I, in I'm, both I'm ears. I'm 28 and I, it has been a battle to not have severe hearing damage already. So I can't even imagine, like, what, what, are, you, what are you supposed to even do? I mean, it's like... Yeah. You can only wear hearing protection in so many I, I, situations, I guess. There's so many times remember it. You know, I, I would I would warn you, like, yeah. start protecting it now. It, it's too late for me. Uh, you know, I've got constant tinnitus. Uh, sometimes it's worse oh, than others. Sometimes God. it's physically like the side of my head feels numb. Uh, and it, it's really disconcerting. Um so protect it now uh, in the, uh, the, uh, the uh, 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 preface and postface of the book. Uh, I refer to good advice from my parents uh, who are no longer with us. And uh, I really wish we're alive to yeah. see the book because they would have been, you know, totally stoked for it. But my mom told me two things early on that I did not heed. Uh, one was to protect my hearing. She was deaf in one ear. So uh, her uh, uh, problems with hearing were very acute. Uh, and I, of course, was a dumbass going, oh, tinnitus is good enough for Pete Townsend. It's good enough for me. And and now I can't hear shit. Um, the other the other bit of advice um, she gave me was keep a journal. She said, one day you're going to want to write books and you think you'll remember everything. If you keep a journal, you'll it'll make writing books easier decades from now. And I was like, oh, I remember everything. What a stupid ass I am. I could have had multiple books out by now had I done that one simple thing like, like mom had up. Uh, had advice, but protect your hearing. I say that to you and anybody who's uh, checking this out. Super important. You'll thank me later. So yeah, like what, I guess, Lou, at this stage in life, I mean, you have lived such an amount of uh, life in that, in that time right here. What made it so that now is the time that this book comes out? Was it just like now was a, a time for you to be able to, or, or was there something that really kicked off to be like, this is really now when I want to share you could have, like you're saying, the whole time, there's so many stories that you could have broken into books. What made now, yeah. like, I got to share this stuff with people? You know, um, I, I've thought about doing a book for a long time. Uh, part of the problem was was just obvious time constraints between uh, Hard Drive and Hard Drive XL, uh, and uh, which I've been doing for 24 years. And uh, now over 19 years at Congrats. Sirius XM. And on top of that, all the photography I do, I've, I've got a couple of wacky, crazy bands that I'm a part of. Uh, uh, yeah. And the, the photography and all this stuff, you know, I, I basically go seven days a week as it is. And it's, it's not 
uncommon for me to go three, four, five, six months in a row without a day off, um, which I'm happy to do. I'm not complaining. I, I love what I do. So I just get up every day. Like you said, scarf down a bunch of black coffee, start blasting music and try and get a lot of shit done. Um, but that made the writing process difficult. Also for somebody who works as much as I do, I'm really lazy. (laughs) So, uh, it was a matter of, uh, it was a matter of, of kind of getting my ass in gear. Um, one of the people who was, and there were many people that I know who are friends, like industry people and sort of rock and roll band people I know. A lot of them were were really on me for years to, to write a book just because they wanted to read about it. They had heard me, you know, we all trade rock and roll war stories when we're amongst our, 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 our music brethren. Uh, but again, because I've been fortunate enough to do this for so long and at such a level, I've, I've got a, like a lot of stories. Um and and that's what the book really grew out of, uh, j- just to be able to get it all down on paper. Uh, Corey Taylor, uh, again, who wrote the foreword, he was really one of the people who stayed on me the most about doing the book. He's a great writer himself. His audiobooks are a fucking. I haven't read the them way. yet, but my um, friends have read them and said they're phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. He he's you know he he's a he's a very special talent. I think. Uh, in a lot of ways. And and he's been great to me through the years. Um, and as much as he loves to bust my balls, uh, he very seriously sat me down a few times and said, listen, you have got to write a book. You've got at least one great book in you and probably more. Uh, and uh, I, I, he just wanted to read the stories because since we first met many years ago, um, he makes me tell him about that because I'm, I'm older than he is. So, you know, I, I had access to a, a lot of bands uh, that he just wasn't old enough to uh, have encountered or yeah. or worked with or anything. But uh, there were a number of other people who just stayed on me to write it. And finally, I I got around to, in earnest, about four or five years ago, starting the book uh, and then writing it a chapter at a time. And uh, finally, uh, you know, found the deal and um, uh, wrote as much as I could uh, before the deadline from my publisher uh, Corey at one point before that, it was about a year and a half before the book hit and said, Hey, I've got the forward all ready to go. Where's the fucking book? I want to read the fucking book. And I said, well, I've got more. I want to add to it. There's a ton more stories. And he looked at, I, I've told the story a hundred times, but he looked at me like <laughs> I'm the stupidest guy on the planet. And it was like, dude, you just write another fucking I could hear that book. from him. And he's like, I, I never <laughs> thought of it that I just thought I'm going to write a book and that'll be it. Uh, so there's definitely a, 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 a enough for at least a second book as good as the first and probably a third. And I also want to do another book, um, which is what I thought would be my first book, uh, of all my memorabilia. Because, again, having attended these thousands of uh, concerts and events uh, over the course of the last almost, Jesus, almost half a century, I feel <laughs> old. Um, I've kept everything. I've kept every ticket stub and laminate and sticky pass and over a thousand posters and I think there, there's got to be like five to 10,000 pieces of memorabilia uh, all told when you include all the guitar picks and everything um, wristbands. Um, So I'd like to do like a coffee table book of all of that. Um, So we'll see, we'll see. I'd I'd love to do it. We'll, we'll see if somebody gets interested in it and uh, you know how this first book does, but the, you know, the sales have been uh, I think a lot stronger than expected. I've already been doing, I started doing press over in Europe and we're not even marketing it over there. And, 
you know, all the reviews have been off the charts and uh, it's just, uh, I'm just glad it's out. And, and honest to God, I'm just glad it's given people uh, a, a good laugh and a good taste of rock and roll uh, in the middle of all the horrible shit that's going on. I mean, that, that, that part of it, that brings a little ray of sunshine into yeah, my day every I, day. Like definitely from, from reading it so far, what I like about it, like, especially for like, I'm, I'm in the music industry. I think it's a book that anyone can jump into because yeah. it's so, the stories are so fun to hear. It's like, I, I personally, like I'm really invested in self growth. So I read a lot of books about business or like serious books, but you can only read that for so long. Like, especially when there's shit like this going on with like what you're saying, you need some things to like balance out any news or like stories people are saying that is just ridiculous or, or fun or like helps you picture and visualize things. And that's what the stories are really good for. Because like you said, where you can bounce around, you don't have to just sit down and grind it out and read this book in order. Like you could, you could, if you felt like it, go through it and find one that you were interested in the moment, or you could bounce around. You could go from start to finish. Like it's just a complete memoir of someone who's been living and breathing this stuff for that amount of time sharing those stories in a, in a way that I think anyone could get into. So it's, it is something you could read right now. I think it's perfect timing for me. Well, again, thank you for all the kind words. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not a writer, um, per se. Uh, you know, I, I talk on the radio for a living and I, I, I program music and I, I interview people. And really when I interview people, I, I just try and stir the pot. I try and talk as little as possible. Um, but, um, that's why the stories are written the way they are. I, I I would not really know how to weave a narrative together for it to be one long, complete autobiographical yeah. thing. And I, I'm not that interesting enough of a person that people would want to read that. I, you know, people, um, I, I think enjoy it because it's, it's sort of these little bits and pieces out of my life that were terribly exciting moments uh, but, but again, I just write them the way that I yeah. tell the story. Uh, and, uh, I, I think that's why the, the audio book is done so well. Uh, and the, the, it, it, maybe it happens for other people. I guess it does. What's really been funny, uh, to me is I hear from a ton of people who buy the book and then get the audio book and listen and read along with me reading the book, uh, that or uh, one of the most common things from people who read the book is, oh, my God, I heard your voice in my head the entire time. Because, you know, obviously people, most of them know, know me from, from listening. They've heard for years the all these and they decades. know so, how you uh, talk anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, that's just it. So, so they read it and, they, you know, and that's exactly what I want. Uh, that, that's a, literally exactly what I hoped for, that um, – it just sounded like we were standing at the bar doing shots after covering the festival and we all start swapping our, our crazy rock and roll stories. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, again, it, uh, uh, it just makes me feel good that, um, you know, people are break from all this stuff. And, and again, maybe why it's doing uh, as well as it is in the middle of, uh, uh, all this horror that people just need a break to get away from it. And, uh, this is turning out to be something really good. Now I knew the book, of, of course, I, I didn't know there was a pandemic nope. coming. Um, but I did, I did know that the book was coming out in an election year. And I realize very much that people are at one another's throats here in the U.S. and have been. Um, so in that respect, I thought, oh, gee, 
maybe this will give people a good break from the election year. And because, uh, you know, I'm not particularly political animal. And I, I, when I'm on the air, I talk about music and, you know, uh, related art sort of stuff. Um, but uh, I, I thought it would be a good break in that respect. But I think that part of it uh, is amplified now uh, in the same way with uh, the sure. pandemic situation. Yeah, I think, um, you know, regardless of this complete unexpected time that we're in, um, I think right now is the best time for the most authentic speak. I, I truly believe like even before any of this that, you know, you go into like a, a corporation, a huge stuffy building, right? People are still like a CEO is going to be wearing like a dress shirt and jeans now. Or like when people are, are, are yeah. talking in all these different ways, like you hear the podcast or the new media is like you're doing radio. I like truly believe that people at this point in time are really looking for authenticity and really every piece of content or thing that they're consuming at this time. And people are really over, you know, trying to have a, a conversation that's not, not you. So I think that that's probably a great timing for that, obviously for the current circumstances, but also like everyone wants to talk right. to that person, like to you or to these people from these bands, everyone wants to have that conversation or live that you know, piece of life like they were there because behind closed doors, everyone's going to have that shot and have a bar conversation unless they're like a total dud person, you know? So, um, it's good to have that authenticity, I think at this time. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I think people always want authenticity, but, uh, I think your point is absolutely correct. I think, Maybe that desire is a bit more acute these days because there's so much, you know, I use the term rampant weaselry uh, in the world, um, you know, yeah. media and politics and, and everything else. Um, but uh, when people ask, and I, and, I, and I get the question from a lot of fellow media people, especially, you know, folks who are, are maybe just getting their, their foot wet in the business, mm why have you done so well or why do so many bands give you access or why do you get to do all these events? What's the secret? And I'm like, there is no secret. There's absolutely no secret. Um, be honest with people, uh, with listeners when you address them. Um, and be authentic about what you believe. Uh, and, and you'll do, you'll do well with people. And as, as far as, the access and uh, things I've been able to do with bands all of these years. When I show up, I always show up on time. And I point that out in the book. It's rule number mm. one. You have to be on time. You show up. You are respectful of everybody that you meet. And that's it's not just the lead singer of the headlining band. That includes everybody, the crew people, the tour people, the, the, the man or woman who is mopping up the floor backstage, uh, all of the fans, Everybody that you meet in life, but especially in the rock and roll world, if you're working in it, everyone deserves to be treated with respect. And if you walk in and treat everybody well, uh, it will pay off to you in dividends that, that you don't even realize. Hell yeah. um, and you'll always be welcome back. Um, that, that's, that's really all it is. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a, a fairly sober person. I drink black coffee. I drink very little. I don't do drugs. So when I show up, I'm not there to party. I am there to work. 
Um, and, and you just have to know how to sort of carry yourself. And as my dad used to say, repetition makes reputation. So if you always show up and you're always a, a good person to deal with, people will go, Oh, that guy, he's, he's great. Yeah. Bring him out on the tour or, you know, we'll do interviews with him, you know? So at, at times when, uh, bands might not be doing any press or, or not doing much, uh, I get green lighted, you know, far more often than not just based on the fact that, you know, I've been around a long time and people go, oh, he's, he's okay. You know, Lou can come in. So there you go. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. My parents always used to tell me that a real judge of someone's character, if you're trying to understand them, like maybe you don't know them too well yet, is if you're out with them in some type of service environment and watching how they treat any type of service staff. And that oh, will man. immediately, that, now yeah, you know exactly watch- who they are. Exactly. Uh, I always watch how people treat waiters and waitresses. Hundred uh, percent. I also watch how they treat animals. Yes. Um, th- 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 those, those, and and the thing with animals, I remember that from a little kid. I remember there were a couple of guys, kids in the, and I, I'm talking like four or five years old. They yeah. would throw rocks at dogs or something like that, and I just immediately knew there's something. Be- just stay away from that kid. That that that's a bent person. That's not someone that you want to be around. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it, it, like this sounds like something you see in some fucking lame meme on Facebook, but <laughs> being nice, it doesn't cost a fucking thing. <laughs> like it's just, you know, and, and uh, one of the things that I point out in, in the book in a couple of spots is if you're nice and respectful to people, ju- just not because you want something from them, just because that's how, how you should be. Yeah. You never know how it's going to pay off. You know, there might be somebody backstage and you have no clue who they are. And you stop. I, I just stop and talk to everybody because I'm a fucking motor mouth. Same. Um, but you never know. It could, it could turn out to be somebody who's got some really great story for you or gives you a piece of information about the tour that you might not have ever learned about. You know, you just, you just don't know where being nice is going to pay off. Um, and you should be nice just for the sake of being nice. Uh, but boy, oh boy, sometimes it comes back and it's a, you know, it pays awesome dividends for, for no apparent reason. Right. Yeah. I've been, I absolutely believe that. I mean, it goes back to like a, a golden rule rule type yeah. of thing. And a, a lot of them sound uh, redundant or like a, a Facebook meme or something, because like they've been said for like literally all of human time, but yeah. you know, sometimes it's harder for people to to see, I guess, but yeah, I, I mean, like, I, and, and I, you know, before I got involved in all this stuff, which was, yeah, at an early age, I mean, I was a short order cook. I was a, uh, uh, <laughs> I worked as a busboy in a New Jersey diner that was frequented by mobsters who went to the, uh, the nearby horse racing track Freehold Raceway. Nice. Um, and in hindsight, it was like, I, I was like an extra in Goodfellas or something. <laughs> um, I was a cook's assistant in a nursing home. I had all these jobs so I could afford concert tickets because my family, you know, we didn't have a lot of dough growing up. So I, I've had multiple jobs from the time I was 12. So I, believe me, I wake up every day knowing how lucky I am. I get to work around rock and roll stuff because, you know, I've pureed every fucking vegetable under the sun and then had to watch the old people gum it. Uh, so I, you know, I know I work. Nice. <laughs> excuse me at the, uh, for years at the big flea market in my hometown, the English town auction. And, and you'd come home at the end of the day, like literally you blow your nose and it would come out like mud. There was so much dust in the air. Oh. But if I wanted money, I had to go out and do it. So, 
Uh, I respect anybody who's out there. If you're willing to go out and work, fucking A, I, I respect you for whatever it is. Uh, the, the harder the job, the, uh, the better. My dad uh, was uh, 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 in the IUOE, the uh, International Union of Operation, Operating Engineers. He was local 825. Um, and I remember him leaving 3.30 in the morning to go to jobs where it was, you know, five degrees outside and you just oh. did not want to be outside. But, uh, Damn. you know. I respect anybody who works for a living. That northern blood. Yeah, yeah. That tough, tough New Jersey, tough people from Newark, New Jersey. You know, I actually literally was born into Tony Soprano's neighborhood, Down Neck, uh, the Ironbound section of Newark. And uh, really, I still, I still see it now and then. I go up to visit my cousin Tommy now and then, or see some shows up in North Jersey, and I'll, uh, you know, pop into the old neighborhood now and then. It's, uh, uh, it takes me back. Of course. Yeah, I guess like going through, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can tackle here, but going through like some of these stories, there's a lot of them in there, but were there, were there any, uh, you know, points along your career or points along some of these stories or things like that, that were really profound for you or that, that, uh, you know, changed the pace up of how you did things or looked at things? Like, was there anything through here that really stuck out as a story? I mean, there's so many that are just very unique to themselves. Yeah, I, you know, I think thing is in the book, and it's it's in that opening chapter, uh, the time I attended my first concert and threw up on Carlos Sanchez. Mm. Um, I, I had always had a deep love of music and desire to be on the radio going back to, you know, four, five, six years old. Uh, again, growing up on the great New York and Philadelphia radio stations as a kid, um, but that first concert, uh, when Ted Nugent hit the stage, uh, and Nugent at that point had just put out his album free for all, which was in the middle of that great run of records he did when he first signed for Epic records. He had been, uh, you know, a member of the Amboy Dukes for years before that. Um, but, uh, he really hit a, a, a great stride with, they're just straight up rock and roll records, but they still hold up. Um, sure. it, w- it was like being struck by lightning. I, you know. First concert, Madison Square Garden, sold out, you know, whatever, however many people, 18, 19, 20,000 people. It was like being struck by a bolt of lightning. And I just thought, this is what I want to be around the rest of my life. It just seemed like anything else would suck. Anything else would just be boring. Like, there's no way that, that you can be affected by a moment like that and then want to go sit in a fucking cubicle someplace. It just can't happen. So... You know, I had to figure out a way to, to be around this. And for me, uh, you know, it, it was radio because I remember many of the early concerts I would go to. You know, I remember seeing the Outlaws and Molly Hatchet at the Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey on my birthday in 1978, that would have been. And uh, Scott Muti uh, from 1027 WNEWFM, where rock lives, was the MC. And I remember seeing the, the radio DJs MCing. And and they were up on stage with the band, and I thought, well, I, I can't Hell play yeah. music for shit, but th- that guy's on stage, and all he did was introduce <laughs> the band. Well, fuck, even I can do that. Nice. Uh, so so, so that, was, that was another thing that sort of lit a fire under my ass to make sure I got in a, to rock radio, you know. That's sick. Yeah, I remember uh, in your book, you talked about this moment where you were watching like the variety shows on TV, and your father yeah. pointed out to you, he said, just be the pointer, right? Be the yeah. person that points out 
the different pieces of it. And like, I don't know, I, I read a book recently, uh, kind of on the same note, but it, even tailing back to what you just said about being kind too. like, have you ever heard of the Go-Giver book? Uh, I don't think so. No. Go-Giver. It, it's just about exactly what you said, like literally trying to just give things without ask, but like a, a way of living on it. And um, it talks about this piece of that, uh, like a role that you could play is called the connector. And mm-hmm. this is someone that's equally as important as anyone else. And it's someone that literally just links up all these different people. That's what I felt like, uh, like everyone finds their role of how they're playing in whatever industry that they're like hundred percent in love with. Like I'm an audio engineer. I'm never trying yeah. to be the person inside the light. I want to be behind the curtain and I just want to high five for pushing someone in the light at some point, but I'm not looking to try to be there. That's, that's interesting where he talks about like, be the pointer. And then you, you fell in love with this role where you're like, I 100% need to be in this industry, but what, what's the best role for me to be in that space? And then it just, it seemed like it just sucked you in from there of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be that connector role. I'm supposed to be this person living in that, that way on stage. Yeah. That term connector, that, that, that's great. And, and absolutely apropos. Yeah. The, um, uh, you're referring to the preface in the book and, uh, I would sit and watch these shows on television. And uh, my dad specifically mentioned Ed Sullivan, who had the, the biggest show on television uh, for, for decades. Now, I only remember it from the last few years when I was very, very young. Uh, you know, Sullivan had been on for, you know, a bazillion years before I was even born. Um, but I would watch the show every week, in particular, uh, watching for the, the rock bands who would be on. And, and again, I'm like four or five years old, enthralled by this stuff. Man. And my dad said, son, be the pointer. And I, I was like, what do you mean, dad? Uh, <laughs> said, well, you know, Ed Sullivan, he's there every week and he has no talent. He said the bands, the actors, the performers, they come and go. It's not steady work. All Ed does is point to the next band and he's there every week, week making a lot of money. So if you're going to go into <laughs> entertainment, be the pointer. And uh, that, that's uh, actually part of the reason. And, and back to your point about that connector role, um, I, I chose um, a lyrical passage uh, right in the front of the book. It's specifically for that reason, uh, or at least related to that reason. The, uh, the, the lyrics are from an, in, 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 incredibly obscure song uh, called My Little Ukulele. And uh, the song was written by a fellow who just passed away, Neil Innes. Neil was just one of the most brilliant and funniest people to ever live. Uh, He first came to prominence in a a musical comedy group in the 1960s in the UK called the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. And the Beatles were huge fans of theirs. Uh, Paul McCartney actually produced their biggest hit, which was one of Neil's tunes, I'm the Urban Spaceman. They Mm. later appeared in Magical Mystery Tour with the Beatles. Then Neil got hooked up with the members of Monty Python's Flying Circus. And if you are familiar with their films, he is brave Sir Robin's minstrel. He he, the bravely bold Sir Robin rode forth from Camelot. Oh, he's Uh, actually that person? He's the guy who has the, 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 the Trojan rabbit dropped on him. Oh. He's got, <laughs> Neil is the guy who runs around the arena in Life of Brian until the, 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 uh, the uh, Centurion guy ha- dies of a heart attack uh, and, and Neil is free. Anyway, I got to know Neil through the years. 
And his song, the, the lyric uh, is about his career, but I, I thought it really kind of fit mine too. The lyric is, all the world's a stage, they say, and I've seen many things standing with my little ukulele in the wings. Because mm. really, that, that's all I do. <laughs> you know, I'm at a show, I do the interview, then I stand in the wings waiting for my 30 seconds to walk out on stage to introduce the band. And uh, the, the, the funny thing was, sadly funny, I, I reached out to Neil for like a year and a half and he's retired living in the south of France. Uh, and I, I wrote to him a few times because I needed permission for the lyrics to be in the book. Sure. And um, I, I didn't hear from him. And then right before death, like literally like, like two or three days before they needed the final edition of the manuscript, Neil, I get an email back from him and, oh, Lou, hello, great to talk to you again. Lovely to hear from you. Do whatever you like with the lyrics. Great. Uh, good luck with your book project. And, uh, and he passed away about a month later. Wow. Um, I, was, I was so glad for his permission. I was really happy just to hear from him one last time. He, he was just one of my favorite artists and maybe not a household name. Uh, but but somebody worth looking into for uh, for anybody checking this out. Neil Innes and his Beatles parody with um, uh, with Eric Idle, uh, the Ruddles, is just one of the funniest things ever. But uh, yeah, it all ties into Pointer, Connector, and uh, and all of that. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And for anyone out there that wants to check these out, I'm going to go find these afterwards and I'll have them in the show notes if you go to wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes. You'll see everything in there, including all the other stuff that we've got from those episodes. So definitely, I'll I'll find those. Thank you very much, and I would encourage people uh, to hit my website, which is lugrudis.com. You can find out any info you need on the book Sonic Warrior there. A link through to uh, you know news articles and interviews and and all this stuff that it's been generating of late. Uh, you can get the book anywhere you get books, and I, of course, I would prefer you buy from a local bookstore. I realize in a lot of the country that may in fact be a bit problematic. Uh, so you can order via Amazon or Barnes and Noble or bookshop.org. Awesome. Uh, it is available as an ebook, Kindle or any of the other ebook formats. And there is in fact an audio book, which I narrate myself seven plus hours of just crazy degenerate rock and roll stories. Hell yeah. Uh, that is, that's available via audible, uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Books, uh, Google Play, like wherever you get audiobooks, you can get Sonic Warrior, My Life is a Rock and Roll Reprobate. And just as a reminder, it looks just like this. Yelling so, out. And uh, something else I'm asking everybody, because again, I can't do the traditional stuff uh, at this point most people would do for a book like this, uh, but I appreciate uh, if you can post links, if you can post reviews, share stuff on social media, tag me on it, use the tag. Uh, the hashtag Sonic Warrior, uh, that's a big help. But uh, cool. again, to people who are into rock and roll, especially if you're missing live shows right now, uh, I think the book is is probably going to make you feel uh, pretty good and, and certainly give you a break from uh, from everything going on. Love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll include those links too, guys, so you can find them Thank easy to, to go over to all of Lou's stuff. Um, Lou, I don't know if you got too much time to... Do you have a couple more minutes on here? Or you yeah, yeah, we can do a few more minutes. Okay, yeah. so the, the podcast is called the Waking Up From Work podcast, and that's because it's about doing exactly what you're saying, where you, don't, you, can, you can work seven days a week, but if it's something that you love, then it's, it's, not, it's not work. It's just yeah. 
effort, right? And things that you're putting into something, but it's something you love. What would your advice be for people out there? You know, uh, I work with a, a ton of creatives and mixed backgrounds and, and definitely a lot of uh, rock and roll people and old metal roots people. What would your advice for that long in the industry and just watching the changes through the landscape just over and over and over again? Do you have any advice for people either looking to get into different roles in the music industry, maybe a role like yours or different roles, or even maybe from the musician point of view, you've talked to thousands and thousands of musicians, um, amazing ones at that. Uh, even if they want to get into being a musician in the modern time, what, what are you seeing in that? What would be some advice that you have from your time? Go back. It's a trap. I'm done for. Save yourself. Stay as uh, far away as you can from all this shit. Uh, that oh. would be. That, that's always my. That's always my first piece of advice. However, oh. if, if 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 you still have a, a mind to not listen to my uh, my advice, the first piece of advice. Um, I, listen. General things are stay up on what's happening. You know, I constantly listen to new music and try and stay up on everything as much as I can. And while I'm, I'm mostly known uh, as a, like a hard rock and a rock and a metal person in a lot of respects. I mean, I, I listen and, and cover all genres of music. Sure. Uh, I, I try and stay up on everything that I can. Um, I, and, and sometimes I get flack for it. Like, Oh, he, he listens to stuff that's not metal. And it's this purity test bullshit that people give, which so by the way is, is the same kind of horse shit that gets everybody crazy over in politics. Like, like people want everybody else to agree with a thousand percent of what they agree with. And if they don't, ah, yeah. they, they want to hate you and tear you down. It's like, listen, I, I love Slipknot. I like Ed Sheeran. I like the ink spots. I like Frank Zappa. Um, I, I, people ask, what kind of music do you like? And I just say, well, I like good music, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't have, I don't give a fuck what, you know, I don't give a fuck what kind of music it is. Is it good music? My, my favorite things to chill to are J.S. Bach and the ink spots, you know, mm -hmm. when I want to get up and, 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 you know, be more upbeat then I listen to more upbeat music. But when I want to chill and just kind of, ugh. You know, those are my go-tos. And if people want to, you know, throw me shit because I'm not pure in what they, they think uh, I should be, fuck them. I don't, I don't give a shit what other people think. I, I want to yeah. listen to what I want to listen to. So anyway, back to your question. Um, one of the great things about the United States is you get a shot at everything. You know, you're not guaranteed of success, but... If there's something that you like and something that you're interested in, chances are you can figure out a way to make a buck at it. So uh, again, my advice is to stay up on what's happening in music, stay up on technology uh, as much as you can, even if it's not directly related to what you do, because you never know when a piece of knowledge is going to come in handy. Um, and as for people who want to do I, I don't know, even know what it is I do. Again, I, I just say I'm a professional music fan. Um, <laughs> you know, I adhere to the, the things I said before. Just be honest and straightforward and be respectful of other people. And, uh, you know, uh, you'll always land on your feet no matter what happens. Awesome. And vomit a lot. 
Yeah, you know, if you if you got to vomit, you get it out of you. If it's your body telling you to purge itself of things. So <laughs> if you drank a bottle of Boone's Farm strawberry wine and your body wants to get it out, then then let it out. If you're, you know, if you're in the helicopter, you know, and you need to vomit, like I do at the end of the Live Aid chapter, <laughs> uh, you know, vomit. Just if you're in the helicopter, aim your mouth outside the little sliding window on the side and not vomit down between your feet into the glass nose of the helicopter. Right. If there's one, if there's one thing, if there's one single thing, one lesson you come away with from my book, Sonic Warrior, it's this. Helicopter pilots get really pissed off when you puke inside their fucking helicopter. So oh. don't, don't, don't puke in the helicopter. That's right. Rule number one, show up on time and be nice to everybody. Okay. Rule number two, don't puke in the helicopter. So, so there you go. The, wow. Those lessons to be learned from my book. Those are the secrets of my career. Awesome. Yeah. It's not like an Uber that they can just throw you out of inside Boston. It's like, you're kind of stuck there and the guy's going to be pissed for a while. So yeah, yeah. You're going to be stuck with that vomit in between your feet, sloshing around between your ankles for, for a while, you know, and plus that day at Live Aid, it was really hot. So it was like being <laughs> inside of an, a, a, you know, like a, a, an air bubble that you're trapped oh. in. Like it it was just not fun. And then I think it like almost started to cook, you know, just, yeah. So, and, and of course he made me clean it up when we, we got back to the heliport before we did the second run over the stadium. Oh, so. But well, again, if you want, if you want rock and roll vomit stories, Sonic warrior, there's your book. There you go. Oh there you God. have it. People. That's a big part of my life is, is rock and roll throw up stories. So Lou's book is a great addition to it. So jump in. <laughs> To the vomiting rock and roll genre, here it is. It's the the new Bible of vomiting rock and roll books. That should have uh, been. But, but at least making it's honest, a genre. You know. You're pioneering, Lou. Pi- a pioneer who got scalped. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you for being on the the podcast um, on this random Friday afternoon, Lou. I'm, I'm glad that you're doing well out there, man. I, I very much appreciate the uh, the kind words and the support for me in the book, uh, truly. And uh, uh, I, I just hope people check out the book and it, it gives them a break from everything. If you're missing concerts and music right now, um, th- this this should give you a little bit of a vacation uh, from everything. And uh, I've tried to say this in all the interviews for as bad as I know things are in terms of the pandemic and the economic fallout. Um, things are going to get better. We're, we're, we're just in the dark part of the story right now. Like when, when Bilbo is lost in Mirkwood in the Hobbit, you know, and, and we're going to find our friends and we're going to come out with the treasure. And, uh, it's, it's inevitable that, uh, we'll get through this. And I just hope that it's sooner rather than later, but thank you again for all the support. And, uh, I hopefully will see you at a show soon. Heck yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode 58 of the Waking Up From Work podcast. Thank you guys for sticking around to the end. Really appreciate you checking this out, hanging out with me, engaging on Instagram and here and everything. It's just been awesome. So hope you really enjoyed that interview that I had with Lou. He was a pleasure to talk to. Really smart, really charismatic dude, very down to earth and easy to talk with. And uh, so many stories. I got this book for free ahead of time to be able to check it out so that that way I could read it and kind of get some foresight before this interview. But I did grab this on Audible 
and listened to a bunch of it on my way down to Tennessee recently. And uh, it's really funny, guys. I think that he's definitely right when he's speaking about, you know, during the time of, of seriousness right now, the stories are are just things that you couldn't possibly believe happened in real life unless you were the person that was there experiencing it. And this is just essentially a big, big book of these stories that this guy has lived. And uh, it, it's it's worth a read. Go go grab Lou's book. Go uh, go live some rock and roll stories of your own. And uh, next week we talk a little bit about being in. Like what type of places and things that you do can break away and disrupt yourself in a way that if you're if you're burnt out or or you need to get away or you need to freeze what you're doing or or whatever it, it is that you're you're just at a point of whatever you're working on that you're really burnt or can't do things. Where do you go? What do you do? And so Ryan and I talk on that for a while. I think we do hit almost an hour talking on some of the things that we do. If you want to tell us, we would love to hear about it. Wake up from work podcast at gmail.com is our email, or you can hit us up at Dave wake up on Instagram or Twitter. All right, guys, hope you have a killer week. Hope business is starting to pick up for you. If it did decline in any way, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Cheers.